0: Hello, hello. Welcome to the 7 Strong Podcast. I am your host, Holly Hillier, a retired six-figure corporate engineer, mom to three crazy boys, and CEO of 7 Strong. I went from burnt-out corporate engineer to stay-at-home mom boss building multiple businesses and life-changing income from my kitchen table. My passion is helping other female entrepreneurs create magnetic marketing and scalable systems so you too can create the time and financial flexibility to live your dream life. Ready? Let's dive in. Oh my goodness, Nikki, welcome to the 7 Strong Podcast. I am so excited that you are here and just honored that you gave us a bit of your time today. So thank you.
1: Oh my gosh. I'm so happy to spend time with you. I'm a fan. I adore you. And I'm just so happy to be here.
0: Oh my gosh, guys. So Nikki and I actually met in through a mastermind that we did together. And I was super impressed with Nikki on all the calls and all her sales knowledge and sales with like so much like gentle kindness. And then when we met in person, I was like, oh, and Nikki is just a boss. Like in that mastermind, we had a live retreat event and Nikki gave us all a little bit of her training and she's going to give us some of that today, but it is truly so tactical. And I think sales is one of the things that I find people shy away from like sales is this bad word. They're like, I'm an entrepreneur and I have products, but like, Oh, I don't like sales. Like that's what we do. It's literally what we do. And so, Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you again. Let's hop in. Can you just tell us a little bit about your background and how did you become the sales maven? Cause really <laughs> you and your brand are incredible.
1: Thank you, thank you so much. My background is in corporate sales, so I was I worked in the technology space for many many years and had a lot of success there. And while working in corporate, and I was the like traveling road warrior. I was the person who, a no joke, my airline used to send me a Christmas gift every year because that's how much I flew, and I had all the top bonus points and all the stuff, all the upgrades at the hotels and the every because I was just this like hundred flights a year crazy amount of travel. But while I was doing that, I got really interested in how to really up my sales game, and I was introduced to neuro-linguistic programming at the time, and if that's a new term to anybody listening, it sounds super technical, but it really it's the study of communication, and I like really dove deep into it. So I became master certified practitioner. I have over 200 classroom hours in studying NLP. And just to give some context to it, most people with the same certification as me have maybe 40 hours at the most. So I went really deep into it. And I did it because I thought it would help me in sales. And it certainly did. But what it really taught me was how to be a better communicator. So when I decided to start my business in 2013, which is SalesMaven, it was this idea of combining all of my years of sales experience with my background of NLP. And teaching people how to have more effective sales conversations. And it was really because I was meeting these super cool entrepreneurs that were doing amazing work in the world. They were making huge impacts or wanting to make big impacts in their lives, in their businesses, and with their families. And a lot of them struggled with the sale, right? They struggled with that. So I just wanted to teach people how to make it easy, how to make it easy for you as the seller, but mostly how to make it easy for the buyer to say yes. And not in a manipulative, gross way, but in a like, let's have real conversation way. And yeah, so I've been doing it for the last 10 years. It's the best gig I've ever had. And I love, love, love primarily working with women and teaching them how to have effective sales conversations.
0: Oh my gosh, I love it! And so Nikki is the host of the Sales Maven podcast. And so whenever my clients ask me, "Oh my gosh, like how do you convert clients or what language should I use? How do I knock them off salesy?" I always point them there there first because it is just it's so so good. So speaking of that, I have so there's so many female entrepreneurs that I speak to specifically who Mm -hmm. I don't want to be salesy, and for me, I really flipped from like that salesy cars guy to no sales is service. And for me, the more I hear that and the more I feel that, and the more I watch that in play, the more that becomes real to me. But from your perspective and working with so many female entrepreneurs, how do you help them kind of reframe that belief and the thought process around sales and being salesy? Yeah. Well, here's
1: the thing. Salesy is this old attitude of sales is that selling is something that you do to another person and that feels manipulative and that feels gross. I teach that sales is actually something you do with another person. It's a collaboration. It's a conversation. And there is. it's not about trying to convince people because this is the other thing that makes people shy away is like, it doesn't feel great to show up in a conversation and be like, I'm here to convince you to buy from me. Well, and also it doesn't work anymore because in our current state of our society, nobody wants to be convinced. People don't want you to show up and change their mind. And, and what happens is they'll draw a line in the sand and there's nothing you could say or do that will get them to want to cross that line because it will feel manipulative. So when I teach sales and it's this with conversation, it's teaching people that you got to stop talking at people and you really do have to stop. You have to start talking with, and that comes down to the way that you frame the conversation and most importantly, how you ask questions in the conversation.
0: I love it. So when I mentioned we met at the retreat and you shared a little bit with us about your selling staircase and- yeah. Y'all the selling staircase. It is magical. It is the process that I still use today. And gosh, I mean, that retreat was like a year and a half ago. And it's really what I use as kind of my base of how I sell. So can you take us through a bit of what that selling staircase really is?
1: Yeah. So that's my signature framework for a sales conversation. And I broke it down into five steps. The reason I teach it as a staircase is because most people understand that the way you ascend a staircase is you go one step at a time. And in a selling conversation, you shouldn't be thinking like, oh, okay, I'm going to start at the bottom and I'm going to hop to the very top step. Now, I know I'm talking to a like beach body expert here and you could probably, you have a nice strong core, you could stand at the bottom of a staircase and hop up to the top step. I have no doubt about it, but most people won't do that with you, right? They're like, if you say to somebody who's just meeting you, like, hey, stand at the bottom of the staircase case and hop up to the top, they're going to look at you like, Holly, I might bang my shins. I might not make it. That feels uncomfortable and awkward. So the idea is that you go one step at a time. And when you understand what step am I on in this conversation with this person, instead of trying to rush to the top, your objective is just to get to the next step. So these are the five steps and I'll go into as much detail as you want. Holly, so you tell me so step one in the selling staircase is introduction. And the idea there is for you to make a powerful first impression because that's happening all the time. It's happening when you show up on a video call. It's happening when you somebody goes to your website. It's happening how you're showing up on social media. You're making a first impression. And the objective here is for you to make a powerful first impression. We've heard this before. We've seen this before where sometimes it's like, How people show up in real life and how they show up online is a real disconnect, right? And then that makes, that breaks like trust with people and it breaks rapport because it's like, wait, what's going on? Who are you? You're not even the same. And that feels incongruent. So the idea there is to make a powerful first impression so that you attract the ideal client that you want to work with. Yeah. Right. And then step two of the selling stair- staircase, once you've made a good first impression, is create curiosity. This is the most missed step in the sales process. Very few people, when I ask them, do you know how to create curiosity when you're talking about what it is that you do or about yourself or about your business? People look at me like, what now? <laughs> what do you mean create curiosity? And if you know how to create curiosity, what it does is it opens the door for you to attract more of your ideal clients because you can have a lot of really great conversations. You can go to networking events. You can meet amazing people. But if you don't ever create any curiosity about who you are and what you do, you could be talking to 10 ideal clients that never even know that they would benefit from working with you, so you got to be able to create curiosity.
0: Yeah, can you give us an example of how you create curiosity, or clients of yours have created curiosity?
1: Yeah, so I use the way that I teach it is actually just to give like the full context here is I teach creating curiosity as the difference between how you call a dog and how you call a cat. I don't know if you remember or heard me talk about this, Holly.
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. It's so good. Okay, so.
1: The idea here is that most people, when they show up in a conversation with somebody, and especially when you're excited because you're talking to maybe somebody who would be an ideal client, we show up with what I call dog calling energy. And dog calling energy, when you think about if you want to call your dog right now, a lot of times you do this thing, like you change your demeanor, you change your voice, and you're like... come here, boy, come here, right? And dogs are like, what's going on? Like something fun. And they're totally in. But when you show up in a conversation with somebody and you have this dog calling energy of like, oh my gosh, we just launched this new product. I'm so excited to tell you about it. People go like, oh, they push away. It's like, oh, it's too much. It's too intense. So on the flip side of that, think about when you want to call a cat, you would never call a cat the way you would call a dog. Usually when you call a cat, you do this thing where you go here, kitty, kitty. You're kitty, kitty. Now cats don't even always come to that, but they often will at least give you a look like, what? (laughs) Impress me, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to start to create some curiosity when we're talking about who we are, what we do. And sometimes a simple, just the way you answer a question, will have somebody be like, what does that mean? Or, oh, tell me more about that. So we want to pique that curiosity. And so you asked me for a specific example, that the one that I often give first, and there's lots and lots of ways that I teach to do this, but it's like, how do you answer the most basic question in a way that might pique somebody's curiosity? So a basic question is, how are you? Right? Like we started our conversation this morning about that, right? Of like, how are you? How have you been? We had this back and forth. Now, if I don't know you, And I don't know whether or not you would be an ideal client for me, or if I have something that would be interesting to you. I want to take the time to not just say, oh, I'm fine, or oh, I'm good, or life is great, or that doesn't actually create any curiosity. But if I'm willing to give you an answer that might pique your curiosity, then we can have a real conversation about something. So right now, if somebody said, Nikki, how are you? I might say, oh, I'm great. I'm just finished up the workbooks for my next masterclass. Like that's just a simple little plug-in line, right? But it's true. So you want to say things that are true. And then the other person may or may not, like maybe they go, oh, that's nice. Or I think even you asked me this morning, like, well, what's the masterclass or what is that? Right. So now it opens the door, gives me permission to tell you a little bit about it. And then by doing that, if you go, oh, gosh, I would like to take that. Great. Then I know I'm talking to somebody who would benefit from it. Then I'm going to move us up the selling staircase. But if you go, oh, that's great, Nikki. And then you talk about something else. I'm just going to go on with the conversation because it was like, oh, well, that didn't peak her interest, that's okay. So be willing to have an answer that allows the other person to be able to ask you a question. And your answer should only be, frankly, like one to three sentences. If you do more than three sentences, I call that word vomiting. And I also call it like dog calling energy again, right? So just give like a simple response, but something that allows somebody to go, what does that mean? Or what's that about? Oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. Or what, like, who do you work with or whatever? They're going to ask you a question. Now you've created curiosity.
0: I love it because I say the word vomit thing all the time. Whenever like a new partner was joining my body team and they're like, what do I tell people? I was like, well, you help them with their wellness or fitness, nutrition, and community. That's what you do. One, two, three. You don't need to give them everything. It can be so simple. And then, like you said, if there's, if the need is there, then they can say, oh my gosh, well, I need help with the fitness or the nutrition or this piece. Right. And they naturally continue that conversation, but you're not chasing them with that information. I, I love it. I love it. So, okay. So you've piqued their curiosity mm-hmm. and they're kind of interested. And so what is that next step on the staircase?
1: Well, even before we go to the next step, if you pique their curiosity, a lot of times what happens during the curiosity piece is they'll start to give you buying signals. Now, buying signals are verbal and nonverbal cues that people give that indicate, like, oh, they're interested in kind of taking that next step. So when you get a buying signal, you're gonna invite them to step three, which I call discovery. A lot of people, there's a lot of names for this. You could call it a work work together call, you could call it a get-to-know each other call, you could call it a sales call. It doesn't matter, but I call it discovery. And the reason I call it discovery is because your job as the seller is to then ask really smart questions to find out, does this person have a problem, a need, or a want? And based on the questions that I ask, can I plant seeds with the other person in their mind that I have a solution to meet that need, that problem, or that want? So in the discovery process, the job is to basically gather information, but do it in a really succinct, strategic way. Ask the right questions so that I can understand really quickly, again, if they have a problem, a need, or a want, and I have a solution, then I'm going to move them to the next step in the process. But if they don't, if I find that maybe they have a need, a want, a problem, but I don't have a solution, then I'm going to bless and release. So I'm going to wish that person well, and I'm going to bring the conversation to a close. Because again, my job isn't to create a need, a problem, or a want. It's just to uncover it.
0: I love it. And I remember you talking about this discovery piece and saying they should be doing the majority of the talking, right? Yeah. We ask the questions, but they should be doing the majority of the talking. And again, I think that's almost like the word vomit piece. Like We just get in this pattern of just talking so, so much. But if we can let them do the majority of the talking, then like you said, we can really discover, do we actually have something that can solve their problem? Because I feel like this is a place, a lot of my like online course creators and their creative creating masterminds, this is where they get stuck, is they're just telling all about their program on these discovery calls. But like the person on the other side is like, well, I don't need any of that. So yeah. you're just talking at people instead of letting them talk to you. So yeah. do you have any kind of, tips as to like, okay, on these discovery calls, where do you start? How are you opening up these conversations to get people talking?
1: The way that you open the conversation is you pre-frame what's going to happen at the start of the call. And pre-frame is... The number one missed step as to why people don't have successful discovery calls. Whenever somebody comes to me and they're like, I'm having all these calls, they're taking a long time. Nobody's ever buying from me. I always say, Do you preframe your calls? And the answer is always no. So a preframe is to set the stage. This brings in my NLP background. Essentially, what a preframe does is it paces the other person and meets them where they are to create safety so that they feel comfortable in the conversation. And then it's asking permission to then guide the conversation. So, an example of a preframe would be Holly, thank you so much for taking this time to meet with me today. I'm really excited to get to know you and find out more about your business we're scheduled to chat for about 20 minutes. Does that still work in your schedule? So I'm going to ask about, I'm going to give some guidelines here. I'm I'm giving some boundaries that this is not a two hour call, pick your brain. This is a 20 minute call. And I want to be really respectful of you and your time. So I'm going to ask you, does that still work in your schedule? And I'm going to wait. I'm not going to keep talking. I'm going to let you tell me yes, that works or no, it doesn't. Or gosh, I got to get the kids here in 15 minutes or the baby might wake up, whatever. Because if you're thinking those things and I'm moving into like asking questions, if you're in your head going like, should I tell her that the baby could wake up at any time? Or then you're not, it's hard for you to be really present in the conversation. But if we can like, I always call it like, we just want to calm the waters so that we can have a real conversation that's this back and forth between you and me. I love it. And then now that you've said, yes, it still works, or we've clarified, then I'm gonna say, now in order for this time to be meaningful and productive for you, is it okay if I start with a couple quick questions? So I don't launch into questions. I don't say, now Holly, in order for me to sell you something, I need to ask you questions. Yes. That sounds like it's all about me and that f- puts the person on edge, right? Right. But if I say, in order to make this meaningful and productive, is it okay if I start, and and I have to say for you, by the way. So in order to make this meaningful and productive for you, is it okay if I start with a couple quick questions? Now, it's rare that anybody would say no to that because people are like, oh, now I know what's going to happen. They're ready for it. They're ready for the questions. So they're not going to feel like, gosh, I showed up in this conversation and I feel like I'm on the witness stand. Like, what's going on? So we want to keep them, put them at ease as much as possible. And we want to be the person who's asking at least the majority of the questions in that conversation. And just to comment on something that you were saying earlier, I think one of the reasons that people go into word vomit instead of asking questions is people feel like, well, I'm supposed to be on right now. And I'm supposed to tell this person all the things about my program or about the product or about the group or about the team. And so like, I'm like a performer right now and I have to like dance monkey dance. And that's why people go, I hate sales because who wants to be the person that feels like the monkey having to dance on the stage in order to earn somebody's business? You're not the monkey. You don't have to dance. You just need to ask the questions.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. And that takes pressure off us. And then some of that nervous energy, especially for these like newer entrepreneurs really just starting these conversations, it can be scary. And so it, it helps ease that. And the more confident we are in what we have, and then it can serve someone else the easier it becomes to sell. So I, I love that. Have you ever felt like your social media growth is just stalled? Like you're going to gain a couple followers, but then the exact same day you lose followers and you're at the same number for years? Yeah, that was me. That was me stuck at the same number of followers year over year until I actually put into place my seventh strong social method. And this is the method that changed everything for me. In fact, in the last 90 days, my following has increased by 20,000 new ideal clients who are converting to paying clients. Yes, my sales have also increased by 25% over the last 90 days because of this system. And I'm so freaking excited about this that I have to share it with everyone. And so on September 5th, I am going to be running a free social secrets masterclass where I'm giving the top three secrets to how I moved from stuck on the hamster wheel of follow unfollow to extreme growth that has resulted in income in my business. So if you want to join us, make sure to opt in. The link is in the show notes below or head on over to 7StrongCo on Instagram and all the information will be there as well. You're creating the content. You're doing the work. You deserve to have the social media growth that results in the business growth that you want. And I cannot wait to help you make that leap. I'll see you guys on September 5th. All right. So we've, we've, we're we here, we're do, We're in the discovery step. So what comes after this phase when we've asked them all the questions and really decided, okay, I do have something that can serve you?
1: Yeah. So, okay. And I want to comment on one more thing before we get into step four. One of the big mistakes that often happens, even if you have a good set list of questions, is that somebody will, like the seller will ask the question, Let the prospect answer and they'll start selling a solution. And then they'll ask another question, let the prospect answer and then sell a different solution. And you really muddy the waters when you do that. So you want to keep this portion of the conversation super clean. And this is why you're asking questions. You're not going like, oh, yeah, we have this great new product coming out next month. You're going to love it, blah, blah, blah. We're not selling at all. We're just asking questions. Now, once you've asked enough questions, That allows for you to understand, oh, I do have a solution for what is important to this person. Then we're going to ask permission to move them to step four, which I call the proposal. So, what I would say is, I would say, you know, based on what you've shared, I do have some ideas of a solution for you. Would you be interested to hear more about that? So, you ask permission. You don't go into sales mode. You don't go start pitching your product yet. You have to ask permission. Because if the person's like, you know what after talking to you I just don't think this is the right thing for me. No reason to waste your time or energy or breath even of trying to convince somebody you've got some something that's going to be life altering for them. They've already said no in their mind and they're not going to listen. They're going to shut down. So ask permission, then we move to step 4. Once you're in step 4, which is proposal, this is when you're going to talk about your offer and you're going to match your recommendation to the things that they have shared with you during the question part so that it feels very on point. It feels completely structured to meet their needs, solve their problem, whatever it is that they're looking for. And there's some things to do in proposal. So you tell me how much you want me to go into depth about that.
0: I mean, first I'm obsessed. I'm glad that you kind of stopped and said, listen, we're not selling anything in the discovery phase, right? Yeah because having this one crystal clear solution i mean it's so good cuz we're so fast be like oh i can solve this problem with this product or this product and now like you said we're all everything's crazy but all of a sudden we said listen can i we're asking permission and then it's just clarity is to me that is like been the one of the biggest thing in sales is how can i be so clear that this one solution solves their biggest problem, solves that one problem. Because I can do a million things, but I need to do one really, really well so that they know it truly solves their problem. So yeah, dig in more because I love this. I love the clarity this brings. So
1: the idea, once you're in proposal, you really are in sales mode. And this is the place where you are the authority. And your credibility matters here. And people want to buy from people who are experts. So your job in this particular part of the conversation is to really stand in your place of credibility, of power, of knowledge. And your job is to recommend the solution that's going to meet their problem. And the kind of caveat to this is you recommend what the person needs, not what you think they'll pay for, or can afford. And there's a difference. So stand in place of like, this is integrity. This is credibility. Recommend what they need. Now, if the person has said, like budgets are really tight for me, I'm looking for a solution for whatever, $500 a month or less, it's out of integrity for you to recommend a $10,000 solution. So there needs to be some kind of knowledge around that. But if you haven't talked pricing, if you don't know, don't make assumptions, just stand in your place of a power, credibility, and recommend the solution that is going to meet their needs and position how it is going to meet their needs. So based on what you've shared, my recommendation for you is XYZ product. And here's why. You had mentioned earlier that you need some help with some scripts. This has scripts for you. You mentioned that you wanted blah, blah, blah. You get access to me. I'm going to be your coach. I'm going to be your guide along the way, whatever it is, right? So now you clearly lay out your offer. Now, I will say here that maybe you're still not 100% sure based on their answers, So it could be that you have maybe a couple options for them, not just one. It's fine if you only have one, that's totally fine. If you have multiple options, you cannot give them more than three. Okay. If you say like, I have 10 options, you should go check out our website and look at all of our packages. No, that's your job. (laughs) You're the seller. So what you say is you could fall into three categories. First category would be, you know, in my instance, private coaching. Second category would be my Sales Maven Society, which is my group coaching program, or I have a DIY course. Of those three, which are you most interested in hearing about? So I'm going to check again. So I'm not going to like sell all three. I'm going to check and see based on that, which is the right one for you. Then once they say, oh, I'm interested in private coaching with you, Nikki. Then I'm going to talk about private coaching, recommend what they need. And then I'm going to bring in step five. So once you've laid out your offer, step five is the close. This is the second most missed step in the selling staircase. A lot of people might make it to step four in a sales conversation, but then they drop the ball and they don't do step five, which is issue close language. And if you don't issue close language, it is so hard to get somebody's business and it's not because they don't want to buy from you, and it's not because what you've offered isn't a great option. It's because you're not making it easy for them to make a decision. So your job is to issue closed language. An example of closed language would be, based on what you've shared, I, you'd be an ideal candidate for this package. Here comes close language. Is that something you'd like to go ahead and get signed up for? Wait, stop talking. You actually are not allowed to speak, and I mean this sincerely and with a lot of love, and a lot of like, kind of directness behind it. You're not allowed to speak until they respond first. Wait, let them say yes, no. I have a question. I need to think about it. Whatever. But if you don't let them speak, you you do what's called selling past the close. So super important that you check in, ask the close question, and then zip
0: it. I love it. I'm a big talker. I get really excited. And so like, I have to remember like. I asked a question and now I'm going to stop. I can stop selling. I've asked them if they want it. We're good. They can tell me now and make the decision. It is, I get too excited. So I feel this. I love it. So, okay. Nikki, so first, so we have our five steps. And then Nikki also, if you guys are like me, I like listen to my podcast and then I take notes. But Nikki also has a free mastering the sales conversation, like guide for us. So you can go to yoursalesmaven.com forward slash seven strong, go like work through all this. And I think that's one of the biggest things with sales, at least for me, is that it takes practice. Like this is something that, I mean, I go back every time I launch, even if I've launched it several times, I'm looking at What is the sales language? Is that being updated? Is my ideal client still the same? Am I? And it's funny because while the offer still solves the same problem, a lot of times the language I have to use behind it is different. And what people are resonating with right now is different than what they resonated with even just six months ago, Mm -hmm. which has been so, so interesting to me. So I think that's why having these types of tools and Nikki mentioned, so she, like I said, her podcast is incredible. That is like my first stop for anyone who's like, listen, new entrepreneur, like just start kind of feeding your mind, some of these processes, but then the sales maven society is like, if you are like, listen, I want a little more guidance. Like it's incredible. Can you talk just a tiny bit about what is in the sales maven society? Thank you so
1: much for your kind words. I appreciate it. So the Sales Management Society is my group coaching program. It is where people get access to a training center where I've curated over 250 resources, including deep dive trainings on creating curiosity, closing, all kinds of sales-related content. I do two live group coaching calls every single month. So the group shows up and this is their way to get tailored coaching specific to your business from me in this group setting. And then we have a private group where people tag me and ask questions. And the group will always say their favorite thing about the private group is they'll share with me like, hey, I wanna send this email to this client and here's our conversation. Will you take a look at it and offer some edits? And so I go in and I edit people's messages so that they are very reader focused. They've got that right sales amount of language and cause people to take action. So that's the group coaching, the Sales Maven Society. And it's a lot of fun and it's filled with absolutely brilliant business owners from around the world. I could not be honestly most days I feel like I should pinch myself that I get to hang out with such cool people.
0: <laughs> so, it's so amazing. It is so amazing and Nikki you just provides so much value all the time and I love like the like tactical value. I'm always here for like tactical and that's exactly what you do. So, kind of as we like wrap this up. Gosh, what would be one of those like what would be your best kind of advice for a new entrepreneur like stepping into this we're so excited i've got this product i know i know it works i know i can help people i know i'm here to make a bigger impact like what is that one piece of advice that you, that you would give them
1: the one piece of advice that i would give that i i really stand by this over and over and over again if you really want to grow your business and you know that there are people out there that might benefit from working with you ask them the question. Don't be afraid to ask somebody a question. Don't make assumptions about what the person's going to think or do or say to you. Be willing to ask and let them, to me, it's a sign of real respect when you show somebody that you understand that they're an adult and they'll make their own decision. So if there's somebody that you want to work with, don't be afraid to approach them and say, gosh, I don't know if you would ever consider even having a conversation about this, but I wonder if it's something you'd be open to. So I just wanted to check and see, would you be open? And then wait and see what they say. They'll probably say like, tell me more. or Why did you think about me for this or, or whatever? So qu- asking a question, I would say, if you don't know what to say or do, ask a question because it will open doors for you that no other technique or strategy will ask a question.
0: I love it. And the assumptions piece and you brought this up before too. Like do not make assumptions about what people can and can't afford. And it's funny because that is actually my story how I got into like network marketing and social selling. I was invited in by someone who has literally said to me, "I would have never invited you to start that business had I known financially how well you were doing, how like how much you'd climbed up the corporate ladder." She was like, "I All the assumptions that she would have made about me would have stopped her from inviting me to the business opportunity that absolutely changed my life. And she started by asking questions and it was almost a flattering place. Like he looked like I had a blog and she was like, your blog's awesome. You're crushing it. Have you ever thought about starting an online business? Like you'd be so good. So she like flattered me and the question was flattering, right? It wasn't her pushing anything on me. It was saying, this is an incredible opportunity. You would be amazing. Have you thought about this? And so I think sometimes questions can be so flattering too, if we just shift how we're thinking about it.
1: Yes. I love that you said that. The other thing too, is that our brains are like Google. If you go to Google right now and you type in anything, Google wants to try to give you an answer. And it might not always be the best answer or the right answer, but it wants to try to give you an answer. So when you ask somebody a question, you have tapped into their Google brain and it wants to give you an answer. Now, it they may or may not verbalize it to you, but like like you said, this person was willing to ask, like, have you ever even thought about having an online business? And maybe at that point you hadn't, I don't know. But you might be thinking like, why is she asking me this? maybe I should be thinking about this. Oh, guess what? I should have an online business. And look what you've done. Like You have made this huge impact in so many people's lives as a result of somebody being willing to be respectful and ask you a question.
0: Yeah. And I love that because I hadn't thought about it. Right, And so my mind did go exactly like, I I don't don't know. What does that even mean? So I was like, oh, yeah, no, never thought about it. But my mind, even after that conversation, kept going as... I kept watching her and what she was offering and she also was really good with the follow-up, right? Because I didn't say no. I said, I don't really like know what that means or what that would look like. And so she just provided some more information and then continued with the follow-up. And I think the follow-up is like a whole nother, like, I mean, the fortunes in the follow-up like that, that is so, so huge, but yeah, she continued to follow up, not in a pushy way, but in a do you have the information you need? And my mind kept saying like, huh. And I kept watching and it was truly in that. That's so funny. My mind's completing that like, well, maybe this is something I want to do. Then my whole life changed. Yeah, But yeah, I love it.
1: Yeah. And that's actually, that's a very NLP thing. Like we all have what's known as a convincer strategy and it's personal and it's context specific to us. In certain areas, like we'll be asked a question the first time and we'll think immediate, like no. And then maybe it comes up again in some other context and we go, maybe. And then you get asked a third time and you're like, okay, I should really be thinking about this. And we don't know what your convincer strategy is. And you may or may not know this about yourself, but I know like I have a convincer strategy. Typically, if it's something that I would want to do, I usually have to be asked three times. To do it, right? Like, I know my husband has a convincer strategy for big decisions in our life. It takes about a year, and I have to plant a lot of seeds until at the end of the year, he's like, You know, it would be a good idea. (laughs) It's like, Oh, what? It's like the thing that you've been talking about for a year now is a good idea, right? So we don't know what people's convincer strategies are. So like what you said, this woman did so brilliantly is that she was willing to kind of stay in the conversation with you. Now, if you had said to her, like, no, thank you, I'm not interested at all, you might have been put off if she just kept, like, going. But if you gave this indication of, like, I don't know, I don't even know what that means, and she was still willing to stick it out with you, she's just looking for, like, whether she knows it or not, hitting your convincer strategy to the place where you're like, okay, maybe we should have a conversation. Like, tell me more about this. And you never know what people's convincer strategies are. So be willing to stick it out with them as long as they're willing to stay in conversation with you.
0: I have never heard of the convincer strategy before, but oh my gosh, yeah. I'm normally the like one, two, three. And if you get me like on a call, like I get really excited. And like, I say yes so much more quickly than like my husband. husband Yeah, see? Yeah. Like, it's like, Oh, I'm like, David, we're fine. It's, it's fine. Like, it's not that big of a deal. It's not life or death. Like you you can pull any like good out of any situation. And it's normally when I'm like masterminds or coaching, he's like, well, let's talk about and compare features. I'm like, no, this like feels good. This feels right. he's like, no, no, we're gonna, we're gonna analyze everything for forever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, but you're that's so interesting. Do you have on your podcast, you have more info on the convincer strategy? Do you have episodes on it? I feel
1: like I've done an episode. I'm going to have to search and see if I have a specific episode. I talk about it a lot because, okay. and actually I talk about it with clients a lot too. Okay. And the way you know this works, like, like Instagram is a great example of convincer strategies. And I mean, you tell me, but I know that sometimes I'll see an ad for something and I'll initially think, that is the dumbest product i've ever seen right and then they show me the ad again and then seventh like by the seventh time i've seen this ad i'm sometimes thinking like well gosh they keep showing this ad it must be a real thing maybe i should maybe i should look into it a little bit and then pretty soon i'm buying it right yeah. like they understand these marketers they understand this so i'm looking to see if i can pull up this really quickly on my podcast but don't be afraid of like Do a little Instagram, be willing to put things in front of people a couple times
0: Uh, for sure and just see
1: what happens. I mean,
0: it is the repeating, like the repetition. Like, I was like, I have been saying, like, in my network marketing business, I've been doing it for eight years. I mean, literally, like, sure, some of the language has changed, but I sell people on health and fitness. And then I present a business opportunity and I'm doing the same thing again and again and again. And I have people who watch me. For years of so like, yes, this is what I mean. But like, it is the repetition, it is yes. the consistency. And that has been like just a superpower for me is just say it again and again in different yes. ways for different pain points and consistently over and over and over and over again. Yes, yes.
1: And I do have a podcast episode where I talk convince our strategy. It's called How to Respond to a No from a Prospect, it's episode 20. And I do dive into the convincer strategy on that oh episode. So if you want a little bit more around it, go check it out.
0: I love it. Okay. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Nikki, this is... There's like so much gold. So we have Mastering the Sales Conversation over on yoursalesmaven.com forward slash seven strong. Episode 20 of our podcast. You can dive more into... I mean, just... Thank you. Thank you for the, the tactical. Thank you for helping us kind of navigate this, the process, because it really is a process where I think a lot of times it feels like it's just, we're just word vomiting all the time, right? It's it's it's, it's like, there's a real process. And I yeah. think that can calm us too, as we move through and the calmer we are, then the less that dog, like that, right. That dog energy yeah. kind of calms down. And we're able to have a conversation, serve them with what they potentially need. And in the end, that's, again, that's what, that's what sales is. And I love, again, yeah, I always think of sales as service, but I love that sales is a conversation between two people. Like that is so powerful. It's not about even like me serving you. It's us together. That's right. A solution.
1: Yes. What you just did with your hands too, because I always say there should be a balance of power in every sales conversation. So you don't hold more power than the prospect and the prospect doesn't hold more power than you. It is a collaborative conversation where we are equals.
0: And that feels so good. Yeah. That feels so good. So, oh, thank you, Nikki. I needed this. I needed this conversation today just shifted some things for me too. So you're absolutely amazing. And thank I'm just you. so thankful you came on the show today.
1: I feel the same about you. Thanks for having me. I'm so grateful to you. Thanks. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you found tactical takeaways you can apply right away to your business. If so, it would mean the world to me if you'd subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review on iTunes. Now let's go crush some goals together.